Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. My name is Brenda. I am your host and I am here to help share with you the what and how in human resources. And I'm in the human business and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. And if this is the first time that you're joining me today, welcome. So excited to have you here. Um, really grateful that you guys have taken the time out to share this today. Uh, we got a lot of really great information. I've actually been itching itching to do this show for a while. And if you guys are returning listeners, you all are just absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Time and time again, week and week after week, thank you so much for being here. Really, I, you guys are the ones that I'm doing this for. So I am just feel very fortunate to have you aboard and along for the ride. <clears throat> so today we are going to talk about everybody's favorite <laughs> You guessed it, poster updates. Um, you want to make sure that everybody is in tune into what is going on with poster updates as we continue into the new year. Um, what will happen is at the end of January, that will be the last the last episode in January, will be the last real time for like a full month that I'll blast out poster updates. And then I'll just do them like once every month after that. So you don't have to listen to the list. Time and time again, but they're important, and um, everybody needs to have them up. So we got poster updates. We've got employment law changes across the nation. Today we're going to be talking about, like I said, a, a really awesome topic. This is something I've been wanting to do for about a year and a half, and this was even before I had the podcast series um, going. But it, what we're going to talk about today is the risk of using Slack channels in messaging technology. All right, there is a great amount of risk involved in this, and I'm going to give you guys some real lifetime cases that are out there. Um, we're going to look at the HR question of the day, and I'm going to share with you how you can get my best practices delivered to your inbox at the end. So before we go any further, folks, um, just want to make sure that you guys know that the information available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. If you do not have any, uh, do not have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me, and I might be able to refer one to you through our friends over in Jackson Lewis and uh, through our affiliates program. All right, enough of that. Poster updates. So <clears throat> here we go. You ready? Poster updates that have taken place in the beginning of the year, meaning the first of January. If you are in the month. Uh, excuse me, if you're in the state of Alaska, California, Colorado, District of Columbia, Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Washington State, Missouri, Arizona, Florida, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Dakota, and Vermont, you guys 
all as a state have poster updates. That's Alaska, California, Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Washington, Missouri, Arizona, Florida, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Dakota, and Vermont. Now, there were also <clears throat> some supplements to a couple of different states. In the state of California, if you are in Belmont, Cupertino, Daly City, El Cerrito, Los Altos, Mountain View, Nevado, Oakland, Palo Alto, Petaluma, Redwood, Richmond, San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose, San Mateo, Santa Clara, Sonoma, Sunnyvale, you all have supplements. In addition to that, St. Paul, Minnesota has a supplement. And SeaTac and Seattle, Washington, you guys have supplements as well. So, fun stuff, right? <clears throat> um, news that is uh, coming across the nation. Wow, employment law changes across the nation. Almost didn't say that right. All right, so it looks like there is the SECURE Act <clears throat> that is providing some immediate changes to uh, current reply, uh, retirement plans. So if you guys have retirement plans in place, you're definitely going to jump on that. Also, there is a new uh, IRS W-4 form that is out for 2020 and some stipulations around it. So it is a redesigned form, and there's some things that are a little bit different with it. So you're going to want to check that out. If you have a digital HRS system, then it's very likely that your provider has already made the updates um, and have the and has those things in place. Um, it looks like the DOL, the Department of Labor, has issued a new opinion letter providing guidance on non-discretionary lump sum bonuses and a per project payment. So there's going to be some things that you guys want to look into if you give out discretionary bonuses. Also, um, for federal contractors, beginning in December of 2021, the new Ban the Box law limits criminal background inquiries to federal contractors, which is going to get really interesting. I'm not 100% sure exactly what all that in, in, entails, but nonetheless, I'm going to be looking into that. Um, also, over in California, there is a new law that requires additional flex spending account notices for California employees. Over in Louisiana, there is an appellate court that has upheld that the non-compete uh, commences from an employee's termination, not from judgment. So if you're in Louisiana and you're dealing with non-competes and uh, other types of uh, protected covenants, you're probably going to want to look into that as well. Over in New Jersey, there are some new proposed regulations that will affect all employers utilizing TIP credits. Over in New York, we've got a couple of things. The last four things that we're going to do to shake up New York is that the governor has actually vetoed the wage theft lien bill. Uh, but there is a promise to actually put something else in place. So wage theft bill, out. No longer in play. But looks like something else is going to be coming down the pike. Also... New York State will probably likely be the first to pass a new paid leave law in 2020. So paid leave is coming into play in New York. 
There's also, I think I may have mentioned this in the last episode, but if I didn't, we're going to cover it now. New York also um, is banning salary history questions uh, during the application process. And lastly, New York is also positioning to end sub-minimum wages for a wide variety of tipped workers. So there you have it. That is what we have going across the nation with changes in employment law. Now, I have a lot of this juicy information that gets funneled to me, and towards the end of the show, I'm going to share with you where you can find these articles that I call out and more that I get each week, so that will actually streamline your efforts to keep up in the know by using all of my hard work (laughs) and my going through all of my emails to get what's popping out. So hang on towards the back end of the show, and I'm going to share with you how you can go about accessing this information. Today's episode is something that has been on my mind for a long time, and when I hear that companies and employees are using Slack channels, it literally gives me the shivers. So let me first clarify that I am not against Slack or any other instant messaging service. In fact, I really like having the convenience of that platform to communicate, but what makes me shiver is, based off of some past client experience, that really kind of ever never left me. It really left a pretty deep impression. So if you have more than you know a, a few employees, it's highly likely that they are going to be engaging in some form of internal communications or collaboration platform. Okay, and there's several out there, and they range from companies such as Slack and Microsoft Teams, Yammer, Workplace by Facebook, Skype, and SharePoint. Right. The goal of these communication platforms is to provide a place for your employees to collaborate, plan, and track projects, as well as share their work ideas. Now the question is, are you sure that that is all that they're using these platforms for? Are there proper expectations in place for employees around what should and shouldn't be shared for your company? And if you've been listening to my show for any length of time, or you've likely heard me state that just because you can doesn't mean you should. In the case of of these types of communication platforms that are out there, this therefore becomes the number one rule. Now, unless HR has their fingers on the pulse of these platforms, it literally is a ticking time bomb before somebody posts something inappropriate and the technology now becomes very problematic. It's important to know what your employees are saying. Be aware. There's actually, be aware. Okay, yeah, be aware. There is a company by the name of AWARE, based out of Columbus, Ohio, that released their Human Behavior Risk Analysis Report, and it cited that 1 in 50 private messages on these types of platforms contain sensitive information that includes things like passwords, client data, and 1 in 90 are in a negative nature. Now, this is, this is the part where you actually take a sip of something strong, okay? Because you might need a couple of them. All right. They also found that 1 in 250 public messages contain confidential information. This is public messages. All right. Take a sip. <laughs> In addition, these programs are also used to hide those secret conocations between employees. And in, in the case of a former client of mine, where the content was rife with conjecture and slander, it actually opened them up to a hostile work environment. What was most concerning about the chatter that we discovered is that the company didn't even know that the technology was even activated, which this is where I needed a stiff drink, which meant that they actually have millions of bytes of documented 
harassment information and conversation that is now stored on their own servers. Yes, take a sip. <laughs> All evidence <clears throat> that is there, that was stored, they had no idea was on their computer servers, and therefore, if there was a problem, is now become discoverable. Okay? Yes, take a sip. <laughs> I'm telling you, this stuff will really get you going. All right? Something stronger than coffee, you might need it. So here's the deal. Um, and in the case of the customer, we actually wound up shutting down the platform um, and then reinitialized it with track, you know, the tracking mechanism involved as well. So litigators now <clears throat> are able to turn this data into opportunity and really uncover evidence that is now essential to their case because this communication platform contains all this information. Uh, according to David Solarski, who's a commercial litigator and a very tech-savvy lawyer, um, he's been able to find ways to utilize the cracks in the use of resources like Slack, like other uh, communications programs to garner the evidence that he needs in order to win cases like this in court. Now, if you look back at my old client, you can see how that was something that was relatively easy to do. They had no idea it was being used. They didn't even know it was on and there was no monitoring. And what they found was that they are two employees that were going back and forth in a very nasty way actually promoting a hostile work environment. Now, according to a company by the name of Logical, 70% of Forbes 100 company uses Slack and 49% as it is provided a 49% reduction of email use. Okay? I guarantee you, guarantee you that each one of these companies has the proper safeguards installed to ensure that communications are being monitored and addressed when information is being inappropriately shared. Guarantee you. Okay, Logical is actually uh, is actually a cloud-based solution which provides instance discovery for legal teams. So the software to find the information is out there as well. Okay, now one of the biggest differentiators lies in the type of subscription platforms being used, specifically with Slack <clears throat> and the new privacy policy that was put into place in 2019. And what I mean by this, it means that what is accessible and what is not accessible. So Slack now has new policies in place um, to provide uh, users with the proper information. Okay, so this is where you need to hang on. You ready? So if you're using Slack, I mean, again, I have nothing against Slack. I like it. I actually use it for a volunteer project. So I have no qualms about Slack whatsoever. But as an employer, you could potentially have some risk involved. Okay, so Employers who pay for the enterprise grid and the premium tiers of the Slack service can now request access to a self-service tool to export and download all available data from the workplace. Okay? This includes all content from both public and private messages across Slack channels. All right? Everything's on the up and up. Why is this critical? All right? Before the change, Slack had only permitted employers to access private message data through a compliance export function. This is what made it easy for an employer to access all data from a particular workspace regardless of privacy settings in place. Is this starting to formulate and process here? Since the expectation of privacy doesn't exist in the workplace, can you guess where I'm going with this? And if not, that's okay because I'm going to elaborate. Here's where companies really set themselves up for failure. So where, where we've been so far is that there is no expectation of privacy in the workplace, which means that any information that your employees are sharing, be it personal or professional, is 100% owned by the company 
that is enrolled in Slack, which also means that if you have an employee who is taking advantage of a Slack channel that you are not aware of and it's being stored on your server or even on Slack server and they're representing the company, guess what? That stuff is discoverable, okay? It's, yeah. <laughs> here, here we go. You ready? This is where companies really set themselves up for failure. If a company is utilizing or permitting the use of Slack's free service or standard tiers of service under their new privacy policy, they will not be able to extrapolate the data using the extrapolation tool from both the public and private message data depots. The only way to obtain private message data is to request it directly from Slack, but they have to have a valid legal ground or purpose for doing so under all acceptable laws. So if you've got, if you're a small business and you've got a team of your employees that are using the free service of it, that data is in the hands of Slack and getting it is going to be hard, all right? Slack is not, I'm not saying that Slack is going to be difficult about it, but there's a process for getting it. And if you are not following the process or do not have the appropriate legal grounds to assume that information where applicable laws are engaged and apply, it's going to be hard, okay? So if you're not shaking in your boots yet, here's another challenge. Take a sip. <laughs> if you have employees operating in multi -state, multiple states or even overseas, do you know what laws apply and how? Probably not, okay? Here's another spin that's going to really kind of unfortunately make your stomach churn. Even though you may be able to access the, access the data, you may not be able to do anything with it. Now, I'm saying this because under the National Labor Relations Act, any employees discussing workplace conditions are protected. This is what's considered a concerted and protective activity. So if you have employees who are talking about how they're not happy with their pay raises, why Susie is getting, you know, a half hour lunch longer than Tommy or vice versa. Well, they don't understand why they're hiring and firing people. They don't like their boss because the guy's a bully. Could be a well-respected individual in the company. But nonetheless, the stuff is out there. All that's protected. So you cannot engage with the employee in any form of disciplinary action if it's protected and concerted. All right? if it's a protected and concerted activity. It gets really complicated really, really quickly, all right? Gossip is huge on these things, all right? And it can really make things challenging. So here's a case in point. This is a landmark case that took place, <clears throat> and it is uh, Boella versus Gawker Media. And it may sound a little familiar, but rec this you may recognize this as the famous Hulk Hogan sex tape case. In this instance, and what I'm referring to here, during the litigation proceedings, employees of Gawker had used the company's internal communication platform to gossip about the tape and what they had seen on it. Now, this is what came out in court during the litigation process. Those messages were instantly stored on the company's server. And when uh, Hulk Hogan or Bonilla's attorney had access to Gawker's computer, they found that the chats which led Gawk to Gawker's demise after uh, he was awarded $140 million, 
that led to a lot of cross-examination and questions as to why, are, why is this being shared on an open format like this, okay? So it was part and parcel to that whole mess that took place years ago, okay? And this was actually, I think, finally settled in 2016, and that's when Gawker actually wound up going out of business, okay? So let's go back to the comment I made. Just because you have access doesn't mean you should, okay? <clears throat> in December 2019, there was an article that was published about a controversial termination of a Google employee. And again, this is not a, you know, whipping out an attack to Google, but this is what this is what public information is out there. This is open sourced info. All right. So the employee is an internal data security engineer who was terminated for sending web browser notifications within the company. And her role was to actually deploy these pop-up notifications to discourage employees from acting in an irresponsible manner with data and other types of internal projects. All right. After the news release that Google uh, employed a law firm known for its anti-union activities and there was a termination of four employees, the engineer took it upon herself to set up a new notification for employees. Those of you who are in HR, take a sip. If the employees were to visit the law firm's webpage or Google's internal workplace policies and guidelines, they would have received a browser pop-up that stated that employees had the right to participate in protected and concerted activity. It also included a link to the labor notices that the company is mandated to post. Now, the reason for this termination, which is a, which is, uh, which, guarantee you, I actually have confirmed that there has been a complaint filed with the National Labor Relations Board, is around the employee's ability to transmit what was deemed as an unauthorized code without seeking permission from proper channels. And my assumption, it would be HR because of the content, but that's my assumption because I don't know how Google operates. But it also may have been over on the data security side. And, and what is concerning about that, too, according to the article, is that it endangered the company's security, which is a function that was beyond her scope of, re of responsibility. Now, this is where the argument comes into play, okay? The company's statement wasn't that it wasn't so much at the message <clears throat> that she sent out um, regarding, you know, where they should go and what their rights were, which I'm sure HR had concerns about that because employees shouldn't be sharing that information on a company server without guidance and direction. That's etiquette and protocols and, and all that good, good stuff. But really what it was <clears throat> is that the company is concerned that it was an employee who abused privilege, uh, the access to modify an internal security tool without the proper author authorization. That's all going to be dependent upon what the company's policy is on accessing data and, and expectations around security. So these, these issues are extremely complex, okay, in situations where it may seem really cut and dry to one person when it's the, like in this case, I'm sure for that employee it was very cut and dry, but there are probably other things that the employee is not aware of or expectations that the company has that she didn't take into account um, she didn't get the proper, act, you know, authority to be able to do something like that. It didn't really have to do with data security. So, I don't know. I mean, it, there's a lot of speculation around this, and, and I'm not going to go down that, is, that down that rabbit hole. But, you know, <laughs> the the big question is, so how do companies protect themselves? Like, what do companies do? 
in order to make sure that things like this don't happen. Things like Gawker don't happen, okay? Things like over my client don't happen. All right, so first, you want to make sure that you know if you have messaging technology installed and active in your workplace, all right? That's the first big thing. And that also includes things like SharePoint sites, all right? Because SharePoint, even though your, your administrator can actually set up a SharePoint network, if it's not locked out, individual employees can set up individual SharePoint sites that the database administrator has no access to and can actually transmit data that you probably wouldn't want to get out. So, yuck. All right. So know if you have the technology installed and it's active, work with your IT department to determine what the system's capabilities are. All right. Even in one of my positions, not only was I against the use of a Slack channel for a group of employees for this very reason, I knew that we didn't have the correct protocols in place and I said no, not unless we invest in making sure that we put the level of protection in place that we have to. That was not an option for us, so we never moved forward with it. But if you're going to have a communications channel or some form of, of place where you can share and employees can create their own channels, make sure that there's a well-written and legally reviewed employee communications policy in place. Now, this is something that shouldn't really be written by general counsel. This needs to be addressed by an employment attorney who's familiar with the various communications law and cases that establish the parameters around what is and isn't protected as well as what can and cannot be said in the policy itself. Okay, so one, write a policy on it. Second one is train your employees on what is permitted and not permitted. Okay, annual training is going to be one of the best ways to reinforce policy as well as expectations and set it as a deterrent. All right, so those are the, those are the two things with employees. <clears throat> Third one is make sure you get a policy in place. So four things so far we talked about. Work with your IT department, make sure you know what is installed, what is active, and what parameters are in place to uh, monitor and control, create the policy, train your employees, and of course then you're going to want to correct to, you know, coach and correct to it. Um, always assign a DBA, okay? Always assign a database administrator. That person therefore becomes the gatekeeper to employee access. When an employee is assigned access as part of the job, not only should there be confirmation or there is somewhere in the process to ensure that the policy has been acknowledged, but to but ensure that employee access is switched off when the employee leaves. I left a position several years ago and um, I had discovered that I still had access to highly sensitive information that was piped through um, my iTunes account, my Apple account, and my iPhone. And when I saw uh, what messages I was starting to receive, I think it was like eight months later or something like that, I made sure that I notified the employer because this was secured information and I was well aware of that. Okay? Work with your IT team to install monitoring software to watch for keywords that are going to notify HR. And they can send these notices through email and permit the HR team, or if you're an Army of One, to actually go in and look at the information and investigate it. All right, this is really a critical effort to halt any potential problems from really festering and becoming extreme situations that put the company and leaders in a bad situation. Go back to Gawker, right? <clears throat> so if that, if that search uh, technology, if that software was in place, then it would have alerted somebody in HR to make sure that the information was starting to, those conversations were happening, okay? This type of software searches for certain types of information that may indicate risks such as sharing client data, uh, cultural concerns, or forms of harassment and bullying. Okay, 
The preventative approach gives the company enough time to really respond to data breaches and potential hostile situations. Now, employee rights attorneys, I've even seen an article written not too long ago that promote uh, best practices to uh, workers around what they should and shouldn't do with communication channels. Okay, I found an article from an attorney's office in Florida that stated employees, and this is what they're advising people out in the workplace to do, is to keep their conversations professional. All right? Avoid emotional or highly impassioned language. You know, use status tools to let people know if you're available to chat. So if you're away, flip on your away. If you're sitting there and you're available to talk, then, you know, let them know you're available. Make sure that, you know, as an employee, you're following company policy and only use instant messaging when necessary. Okay, there's nothing like that one-on-one face-to-face conversation that makes things happen a little bit smoother and better and gives clear communication. That's just from a sheer productivity standpoint. But... This is a really good, this is actually really good advice that they're putting out there. The other thing that they also shared is the clarification for people, uh, they understood, that if a company is actually paying for the messaging service, then as an employer in a concerned business, they have the right to take full advantage of the service features to ensure employees are meeting company expectations, that they're performing the functions of the role, and if the employee is actually staying on task. So if you have an employee that is spending hours on the you know chat, not really doing their work, then you got some grounds to work with them to correct that behavior. Now at the end of the day, these communications are, like I said earlier, they're absolutely awesome. I've used them, I've always loved them. They make my job easier when I'm working with a team and a group of people, but they do come with risks and productivity concerns. But if you put those correct protocols in place, then like anything else, you have taken the steps to mitigate the ugly risks that really come with technology. Okay, Like I said, they're great, but there really isn't anything like that one-to-one, face-to-face conversation that generates the bigger and the best impact. But you know what? A lot of people don't want to have those. They just solely want to rely on technology. So not only not having the ability to speak to somebody face-to-face creates challenges, but now the technology that actually addresses that dude, that does too. So if you guys are using these channels... Right. Don't stop using them, but just make sure that you've got the thing, the right things in place to protect your company because you just don't want to be in that position to where you can't get access to your own data or you don't know what your employees are actually saying with your company owned digital property. Today, I want to give a shout out to a member who is in the Facebook tribe, the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook tribe, which I'm going to tell you a little bit about in a little while. Uh, Jacelyn, she's in the new tribe. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'm really glad you're with the group. And then Eli and Steve, thank you again for your comments on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, It's nice to have you guys on board and listening. So email me your email your HR questions. I love getting HR questions to answer. You can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website and by clicking on the podcast link from the menu and down towards the bottom of that page, you'll find a submission form where you can post your questions and I look forward to reading them on an upcoming episode. So today's question is actually another employee-based question. And this question is, how would you handle a senior manager who keeps talking ill about you to the director who has started to believe him but is not clarifying anything directly with you. 
I see this all the time, and I have been affected by this very same thing in my career as well. This is a really tough position for anybody to be in because senior managers and directors, I'm assuming that what this person is talking about is the senior manager is reporting up to the director and it could be that the senior manager could be higher than the director and making comments to the director going down. So either way, crappy situation. Um, if it's a senior manager who's above the director, then really the director should be making clarifications or confirming it's like, no, that's not really what the person is and standing up for their own people. And sometimes they just don't do that. I mean, it happens. It's happened to me. And in the reverse is that you have a manager who's reporting up to the director who goes back to the initial situation to where you've got somebody higher up looking down and they're like, yeah, they're just not a really great employee. Something has happened or something has occurred either, either way and they're pretty much the same. But either way, something has happened to where an impression has been made and there's what the perception is that there's no attempt to correct it. Okay. This could potentially open a company up for some problems, right? Mainly is that if whoever is one level up says you need to get rid of that person and the one level down does it, is there a risk for constructive discharge, which could be the, the act of pressuring somebody to make themselves so uncomfortable that they actually have to leave the workplace. They can't work there anymore. Or, um, a discharge that shouldn't have happened. Could the employer be setting somebody up for a wrongful discharge uh, lawsuit or wrongful termination uh, suit? Or could it be that they're just going to get pushed out and they could turn around and file a hostile workplace claim against you? So, you know, if you guys catch wind that somebody is saying something about a, a direct report's direct report and there's really no clarification as to what's going on, then it really needs to be put into place. And and I've been in that position in multiple different ways. As an individual where, you know, I somebody was saying something negative about me and it was far from the truth. And actually, I just took my own guns and I said, listen, I said, I want to sit down and clear the air with you because I think you have an impression of me that's not exactly accurate. And I'm getting that feeling. And it turns out that I was right. And I'm glad I cleared the air. And Thankfully, the senior manager had the ability to look at me in a different light because they actually had a chance to ask questions directly. And then the question was, well, why aren't you clarifying this? Because I'm under this impression that she's doing this, and it turns out that she's actually not. Well, that puts you in another complicated situation, and that's, you know, how do you deal with your boss that you just threw under the bus? Who's throwing you under the bus? <laughs> so all these dynamics come into place, right? But that's what I did for my own situation. But when you hear something going on with an employee, is it wise that you address it? Yes, absolutely. If you've got somebody who's in a senior position that is rolling information down through and um, it seems like they have like a vague understanding as to what the person's actually doing, you know what? No harm, no foul. Just, hey, listen, let's go get a cup of coffee. I'd love to hear more about this employee. Not that I want to do anything about it. Not that, you know, nature, I'm going to execute some form of disciplinary action or something like that. I just want to get the facts. I just want to make sure that we have the appropriate handle on the situation and let you guys know that, you know, I'm here. Maybe I can offer some suggestions, right? Nothing wrong with that discreet investigation and discreet inquiry to see if what is actually being said is actually true. 
or what is being said is actually conjecture or you know the impression that somebody might have so yeah then that way you can address it all right so it's off and running I am so excited about this we are in week two of this and um, our membership is starting to grow so I'm pretty excited about this so I've mentioned this in prior episodes and I'm going to continue to talk about this um, something that I am extremely well aware of is how awesome and exciting the HR industry actually is it's a rewarding career it's literally full of never-ending challenges and it can be really meaningful work which is why I'm so attracted to the industry I'm also aware of its challenges and limitations one of them being when you're an HR army of one I know what it feels like to do this job as a beginner to an expert I know what it's like to try and find the answers in a sea of information and when you do find your answer you still have that doubt as to whether or not you have everything correct or if you even have somebody that you can ask if you're correct it can be very isolating it can be very lonely and that's just the nature of the field but uh, mainly because there's only so many people that you can talk to so if you are an HR person of one you really can't vent your frustration or your concerns to anybody else because you're it <laughs> you are the HR department right so last week I launched a new online community for those of you who are in the HR field and this community is open to those who are established HR champions and to those who are aspiring to become one I was traveling several months ago and I was inspired to contribute to women in HR I'm on a mission to connect with 20,000 women in HR to positively impact the lives of 1 million employees and the doors are officially open to the next gen women in HR member site this is a great place where women can come and connect share resources and go deep to learn how to perform the HR functions with tools and current resources most importantly this is a place to get support you can join by visiting the bestpractices.work website and click on the next gen women in HR link above and actually register and get in 2020 is this time to get really clearly focused on you and your future for the industry because this decade is going to continually present new challenges a lot like the ones that I talk about on the show launch your year with me and get support and connection you need for the future so there's two places to connect start with the next gen women in HR Facebook group and if you want to go deeper and get access to HR tools resources ask for help find a mentor and participate in networking events and connect one-on-one -on -one with other HR champions including me join the next women in HR member site at bestpractices.work I can tell you right now that it is less than three cups of coffee a week to join if you're driving chasing the cat to run out to go to the vet or you're in the grocery store shopping or on your commute to and from work and you don't have the ability to write all this down don't worry about it all right shoot me a message on any one of my social sites and I'll be happy to direct you or you can click the connect link at the top of the best practices dot work website and I'll get you the information that you need and yes we like our HR guys too okay so come on in and we have men that are now in the group as well so this week I kicked off the second major topic of conversation via Facebook Live. We looked at uh, branding and positioning yourself as an HR professional. I invite all of you to join in and become part of the conversation and find your focus on 2020. Get inspired. Its inspiration creates motivation that demands actions to be realized. And you'll see me in there every day and I cannot wait 
wait to connect with all of you. Okay, Take your experience deeper by joining the Next Gen Women in HR member site at bestpractices.org. This is where you get to go deeper into your experience with a dedicated community to learn, grow, develop, connect with others who want to learn or want to mentor and access tools to help you perform this role. It's new and it's growing, and it would be awesome to have you be a part of that. I also mentioned earlier in this episode that these news things that I send out about changing, you know, the changing landscape, legal landscape across the country and, and all that good stuff, you can actually find links to those articles and a lot more that I get on a regular basis. You can get monthly access to the site, like I said, to start with less than three cups of coffee a week promise you okay all this information is updated weekly and what and this is what helps me stay current in my profession as an HR pro and it will absolutely do the same for you I look forward to connecting with you guys and cannot wait to have you part as part of this tribe now you can also follow me and find me on social you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at best practices in HR you can also connect with me over on LinkedIn uh, by just using my name, Brenda Neckvottle, it's spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And again, you can find me over in the bestpractices.org website. Click connect at the top of the page and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. And folks, thank you again for yet another episode. I hope you really like this one. Um, I've been literally thinking about this one for a long time, so hope you got great value out of it. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Have a good one.